This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. There's this part of the brain that's called the prefrontal cortex. And what this part is really in charge of is your self-control, your self-regulation of like where you put your attention and your ability to kind of plan and make decisions or solve problems or to really act with your long-term goals in mind. So it's, it's like the rational part of your brain. Welcome to The Tonic. I'm your host, Jamie Busson, and we're here to talk about your health and wellness. Today, we'll discuss how garlic can boost your immunity. We'll hear about the natural approach to men's health. We'll learn the top tips for cooking from online recipes. And lastly, we'll find out about hypofrontality and mindfulness. But first, a little bit of business. Alamax Canada is the company that delivers real, bioactive, stabilized allicin. Using only the freshest garlic from Spain, Alamax is the trusted source for a high-quality and effective allicin supplement. The manufacturers of Alamax have dedicated their time to researching this fascinating plant and all of its antimicrobial and antibacterial benefits. To fight infection and stay well, take Alamax. For more information, visit Alamax.ca. My first guest, Peter Jostling, is director of the Sussex, England-based Garlic Centre. He's a trained chemist graduating from Nottingham University in England, and he has over 18 years' experience in the international health food industry, devoting his time to conducting and publishing clinical studies on a wide variety of natural products, including garlic, hypericum, Peter, you can tell me if I'm pronouncing that properly later on, ginkgo biloba, plant cellulose, vitamin C, and of course, stabilized allicin. He's written several books and peer-reviewed, edited, and written published many scientific articles on the action of plant-based extracts on the human health. Welcome back to the show, doctor. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. And yes, just to let you know, some of those herbal extracts are so complicated to say. So it's hypericum, yep. which you probably know, which is St. John's wort. Ah. Um, so it's pretty well known around around the globe, I think. <laughs> I, I knew... But nice to talk to you again. Yeah. And thank you for helping me with that. How are things going over in the UK with COVID? Well, unfortunately, we're right in the middle of a pretty nasty second wave of infection. And I think the big mistake that our country made was allowing uh, university students to go back to university because the number of cases being reported now is uh, something like 17,000 per day. Oh, my gosh. So we, we really are suffering. And, uh, I mean, obviously, you know, that means that the number of uh, infections goes up, the number of deaths goes up. So we're all very keen to do whatever we can to stay fit and healthy and keep this darn thing away as as much as possible. Yeah, and that's why you're here today. Let's talk about some of the things that people can do to help boost their immunity and uh, strengthen them for what may come. So what can people do to keep their immune system strong? Well, you know, we're all under pressure from various bacteria, virus, spores in the atmosphere. So every single day, your immune system is trying to fight on your behalf. If you're a diabetic like I am, for example, my immune system is already a little bit compromised because it's trying to deal with my blood sugar levels and keep them as normal as possible based on what I'm eating and the insulin intake and all that kind of thing. But what we can do is help our immune systems to become a little bit stronger. 
And there are several things that we can do to enable that to happen. First of all, a good, healthy diet. Second of all, we can look at some of the supplements, and that would include, in my opinion, definitely the stabilized Allison garlic supplements, and also vitamin C and vitamin D. And all of these are well known to help boost your immune system. And that means that you're therefore able to repel all borders, if you like, if you're being attacked by any of these kind of airborne germs. You know, your immune system is able to fight them off. But if you boost it a little bit more, you've got much more chance of actually staying fit and healthy during these very, very difficult times that we're all going through. Yeah. And I think this is important because these are all steps that really everybody can take, right? It's, you know, vitamin C, vitamin D, Allison. These are all things that are available if you go and look for them. And eating a healthy diet should be in everybody's wheelhouse. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. These things are available online. You can buy them very easily. You know, there's plenty of suppliers across Canada that can supply things like stabilized Allison extracts together with vitamin C. I would always add those two together mm-hmm. because they have, they have a kind of synergy with each other. So they help each other work better in the, in the human body. We've kind of proven that over many, many years of research with stabilized Allison and with vitamin C. I've published on that. And, uh, you know, that shows quite clearly that increasing the amount of vitamin C is good for your hair, skin, your nails. But when you add it into allicin, you actually improve the biological activity of the allicin, which means that it will kill out fungus, virus, bacteria, spores, intestinal parasites. And it's very, very good at doing that. And it's been doing that for many years now. So it's not as if this is a brand new thing into the market. It's very well established and it's already helped you know, literally probably millions of people stay fit and healthy. And that's all we really want to do. We want to keep people's immune systems strong and we want to keep people healthy. And the healthier you are, the less chance there is of you succumbing to any kind of infectious organism, whatever that might be. Good advice. So for my personal health journey, it it always started with food, whether it was reducing intake or eating better qualities of foods. And I'd like to explore something called power foods. So are there foods out there or power foods that will help us with our immune system? Oh, well, yes. I mean, I'm, I'm not particularly an expert on, on foods as such. Yeah. But you know as well as I do that anything green in your diet has got to be good for you. Right. There's no doubt about that. We know that obviously you need to cut down on saturated fats and this kind of thing. But everybody now has access to a good, healthy diet. It's moderation in all things. Um, You know, there's no reason why you can't enjoy some good red meat if you want to. There's no reason why you can't enjoy any of the meats or the fishes. But at the end of the day, you need balance. You don't need to be aggressively in favor of one particular food item. You just need to have a good, balanced diet. And that really is all your body requires. I mean, obviously, if you've been through any kind of trauma, let's say you've been through a minor operation or you've had a a small accident or whatever, then your immune system will need a little bit of help in restoring the vital nutrients that your body is bound to be lacking in those situations. So you do need, uh, for example, not only the stabilized allicin and vitamin C, Perhaps you should be also considering a multimineral and a multivitamin just to make sure that your body is fully able to utilize all of those vitamins and minerals and enhance the immune system and keep you fit and healthy. So it's always worth looking at what your own personal history is and whether you need to adjust 
supplementation, or, of course, food intake, okay? Yep. Let's focus in on Allison, because we've mentioned it a few times, and I know it's your, your expertise. So what is Allison and its interconnectedness with garlic, for those who, who haven't heard you speak about it before? Sure. Well, this is very straightforward. Most people know what garlic is. Yep. They know that it's a bulb that is split into cloves, and you put a clove or two of garlic into your favorite dish to give it a lovely, nice, spicy, tasty flavor. But beyond that, what happens when you cut or crush a clove of garlic is you start a chemical reaction and you release a compound called allicin. And everybody knows this, whether you're a garlic expert like me or a manufacturer like me or a scientist like me. You know, people around the world know that garlic is good for you. Mm -hmm. And it's been proven now over many, many years that garlic and allicin in particular is an excellent antiviral, antifungal, and antibacterial. So I managed to lead a team of researchers, well, it's quite a few years ago now, but we were able to capture and stabilize this allicin material, which previously had been almost impossible to actually be in control of because it basically degrades so, so quickly. It's a very unstable molecule. So we managed to capture it, stabilize it by using simple diluents like water and you end up with a liquid that can then be processed into a powder that powder goes into a capsule and that capsule goes into a product like alimax for example and that is a stabilized allicin product and we are able to prove then in clinical trials whether that has any beneficial effect and of course it does it does kill virus it does kill bacteria it does kill fungal spores and it does boost your immune system. So we know that allicin is, if you like, the mother substance. And from the mother substance, all the other useful chemical breakdown components from fresh garlic will also be released in the body and give you the benefit of taking plenty of fresh garlic, I mean a lot of it, but without the social side effects of you stinking out the whole of Canada <laughs> if you were to try and eat you know, 40 to 50 cloves a day yeah. of fresh garlic. You, first of all, your stomach wouldn't be able to take it. But second of all, you wouldn't have any friends left anywhere. I think you're probably right so about that. Yeah, it'd be like social <laughs> distancing, but not by choice. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Might be a bad idea, actually. Yeah, exactly. I've given you a new business plan. Uh, <laughs> so what makes Allison so effective? Why is this form of garlic so effective in, in doing all that you say it can do? It's quite interesting. It's actually what's known as a very small molecule. It doesn't have a very big molecular weight. Uh, it has a molecular weight of 162, if you, it's, which is tiny. Mm -hmm. And that means that it can actually penetrate the cell wall of invasive bacteria and kill them off. So E. coli, Salmonella, Clostridium, Campylobacter, methicillin-resistant Staphylococcus aureus, all of these bacteria can be penetrated and killed by this small molecule, allicin. Compare that with conventional pharmaceutical antibiotics, and they are much, much, much bigger molecules, and they cannot penetrate, and they rely on binding to receptor sites around those bacterial surfaces. And, of course, the bacteria are very clever things, and they move those sites around so antibiotics can't bind, and that's why we have a major problem with antibiotic resistance. Overuse and the fact that it basically allows the bacteria to generate the ability to become resistant 
to those conventional pharmaceutical antibiotics. That won't happen with allicin because allicin penetrates and gets into the cell wall. So it's a very clever molecule. And it does a similar thing with viruses, although they're much, much, much smaller than bacteria. What it does is it actually disrupts the RNA and DNA in the cell that the virus is overtaking in your body. So a virus has to overtake your cell, not penetrate. It actually collapses it and encompasses it. And that's where the allicin, again, can stop that from happening and stop viral replication. So it's a very, very clever little molecule that's been around for thousands of years. And that's what I love about it. Why is allicin different than other supplements like raw garlic and garlic oil? Like, what's the difference? If if garlic's good for you, why would I pick allicin over the others? Sure. Well, the allicin is the mother substance. So we know the mother substance can penetrate and kill off virus and bacteria. We've not seen any evidence for any of the other breakdown sulfur compounds like garlic oil to show any effect on killing out a fungus or a virus or a bacteria. Some of their components have a little bit of an effect on your cardiovascular system, but then so does stabilized allicin. And then the comparison with fresh garlic is that if you took just seven days' worth of those capsules of Alimax, for example, you would need to eat, can you imagine, something like 400 cloves of garlic. Oh, gosh. Okay. And that would be very, very difficult. It would upset your gut, and you'd certainly lose all your friends. So that's just not practical. And that's why the allicin in the stabilized form is so important to the body in how it actually makes the body absorb and utilize uh, this fantastic antimicrobial agent. Let's talk about allicin and Alimax for a second. Are there any people who should not be taking allicin just because of pre-existing conditions? Actually, no pre-existing conditions um, inhibit you from taking allicin. The only thing we would say is that anybody under the age of three years old should not be taking stabilized allicin simply because they haven't fully developed their own immunity yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are circumstances where, where children, very, very young children, can take the, uh, this kind of material. It's just important to qualify that with the manufacturer or the distributor and make sure that it would be safe. But generally speaking, it is an incredibly safe compound to take and uh, you know we've we've had to do uh, pharmacological testing for various governments to prove that this kind of stabilized allicin extract is perfectly safe to take and can be very very beneficial particularly to people with some pretty aggressive bacterial and viral conditions are there any contraindications if i'm taking a medication or are there any side effects is there anything i need to concern myself with respect to allison yeah the only thing you should be wary of is if you're on coumadin or warfarin the very potent blood thinning pharmaceutical drugs you may need to use less of those drugs and you may need the doctor to change that dosing for you so we always say that that should be precautionary apart from that there are no real contraindications unless of course you're somehow allergic to garlic and i've met a few people like that around the world they're known as vampires (laughs) (laughs) but generally speaking most people can tolerate 
garlic in any way, shape or form. So generally, most people should be able to take it without any problem. So should people be taking Allison as a preventative measure or after they're feeling ill? Can you do both or...? You, can, you should definitely be doing both, especially in today's world where we are overwhelmed by unknown viruses, bacteria, etc. It's a great preventative because it boosts the immune system, but the data that we have shows that it also kills virus. And therefore, if you're unlucky enough to catch a cold or the flu now, this, this winter, then, you know, if you're not taking it, start taking it and it will get rid of that infection very, very quickly, but it's much better really to get onto it now and protect yourself, particularly this year, through the winter and keep your immune system fit and healthy and able to repel all borders. So if people are interested in perhaps getting some Allison, it's the Alamax brand in Canada that has the rights uh, to the Allison that you, you work with. Is that right? That's correct. And I think you can go to their website, which is alimax.ca and you'll find much more detail on there. Fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on the show today, Doctor. Oh, absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for allowing me. It was great fun. For me as well. We have to take a short break, but we'll be right back on The Tonic. Hello and welcome to Your Natural Health Minute. I'm Steve Herringer with Robert Pierce, founder of Prairie Naturals. Robert, you've been creating formulations for men's health for almost 25 years now. Tell us what you found. Here's what we know. Frequent urination is a symptom of an allergic prostate. And here's what I recommend. Prosforce, one a day, a proven formula containing supplemental berry, nettle root extract, along with vitamins and minerals. Okay, we know there's a thing called andropause or male menopause. How can we deal with this male change of life? Well, Steve, our Androforce product helps men control their testosterone and cortisol levels. Very important. So with Prairie Naturals, Prosforce, and Androforce, you've got an excellent start on your prostate protection program. Look for Prairie Naturals active formulations for men's health. Prosforce and Androforce are available wherever natural health products are sold. This is The Tonic on Zoomer Radio. Robert Pierce is the founder and president of Prairie Naturals and a men's health and wellness champion. An accomplished member of the Canadian natural products industry, Robert has worked to build his company, Prairie Naturals, into one of the most recognized and respected natural health product brands in Canada. For the past three decades, Robert's drive, unsurpassed energy, persistence, and personal dedication to health and fitness has enabled him to lead the research and formulation of over 270 natural health products. Robert is recognized as an ambitious, friendly business leader who builds lasting relationships with his customers. Through his experience and knowledge, he's become a champion of men's health and wellness and is recognized as a walking example of healthy aging. Welcome to the show, sir. How are you? I'm fine. That's a... Was it most full? Beautiful. It was. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. You make me feel just uh, uh, incredible here. Well, Thank that's you. that's my job. And we're going to tell people, particularly men today, how they can feel more incredible, right? Because, yes. Because that's we're going to answer job. some of their unanswered questions. So here's one that's near and dear to me because I have I do suffer from this, and that is male pattern baldness. And I've been known to carry a little extra weight, too. So what does that tell you about somebody who, who looks like that? Well, you know, when I had a little bit of that myself, and I, this is why I formulate these products, DHT, dihydrotestosterone, is the problem for male baldness, actually. So that is a sebum that actually is in the follicle, 
plugs the follicle, the hair follicle, and the hair falls out. One of the main issues, and a lot of them don't know that, and proper maintenance, uh, scalp maintenance, will cure that. And then with the spare tire, that's usually a hormone imbalance, so your, your estrogen levels are a bit too high. And that happens when we get older. Testosterone drops, estrogen comes up, and we say, oh, what's this? Oh, we're a little, you know, a little chunkier. And those are two things that we can, um, we can cure that pretty easy. Yeah. For. Yeah. And, you know, people think that andropause or sort of a, a changing as we age doesn't exist, but it, it actually does. And it's obviously tied to a hormone imbalance. But what are some of the other signifiers that you might be suffering from a hormone imbalance? If you've got a, an issue with uh, low testosterone, your libido, you can be depressed, insomnia, uh, nervousness, uh, excessive sweating, loss of memory. Now, as we get into our silver and golden years, we have to really look after ourselves and keep as much testosterone as we can. We don't want this to happen. Uh, you lose concentration. That's a big one. And uh, fatigue. You don't have the power. You don't have the stamina. Oh, wow, I used to be able to do that. Oh, I can't do it now. I just have to go easy. You know, I can't exert myself that much because I, I just don't feel like I can do it. And it leads to uh, sort of a, I would say, a, a lifestyle that shuts you down a little bit. Yeah. You know? You know, my experience, you know, I've been publishing since 2007 and, you know, I sort of walk the walk, which is I understand what you do, too. Like, you know, the, the best way to make sure you don't lose your energy is to use the energy and, and, and exercise and make sure that you're out there. But what are some of the factors that can cause a reduction in testosterone? Usually it comes from a poor diet. If your diet is off, too much alcohol, drinking too much coffee. I love coffee, but I do like you? to have a, I like to have an organic coffee if I can get it in the morning. Yep. And I'll limit myself. I won't be drinking this all day into the evening. I'll limit myself. And protein, you need protein. Someone says, oh, well, I'm on a vegetarian diet. Well, you need some protein. We live in a northern climate. We're in a cold, you know, we have four seasons here. We need protein. And beef, for example, just good free-range beef, chicken, they contain creatine. Creatine is a substance that keeps the muscle alive. Right. Your, your body lives off of creatine, needs creatine. That's found in red meat and in uh, some poultry and in um, not in fish. Fish is very low in creatine, but fish is amazing. So some of these uh, diet issues can cause low testosterone. You have to look after your diet. It's number one. And drinking enough water. You get up in the morning, you drink a liter of alkaline water or pure, clean water. Not turn on the tap and drink the city water. Right. Try to get cleaner water, filter it. So now your body sets the stage for the day. You're cleansing, you're flushing. And you'll see a big difference in your hormone reaction. You'll feel better. Your energy will go up. You will feel alive. Well, I know this is sort of personal to you and, you know, sort of the theme within your company, but what have you learned through your research and your life that you would think would help people sort of deal with cortisol and, and hormone balance as, as we age? Two issues, cortisone and too much estrogen. Now, just quickly, I developed a product called Androforce, and that product does help you with andropause. Like females have menopause we have andropause, and we do go through that change, and we talked about that already. Yeah. So androforce actually is very unique with the ingredients that we use in there. B6, 
We use rhodiola, pumpkin seed oil and extract, stinging nettle, ashwagandha. These ingredients reduce the cortisol levels. They control the cortisol levels. Now, we do need cortisol in, the, in our bodies, that's for sure, but an excessive amount is detrimental to our health. It actually can give us heart issues, and we don't want that. That's, no. that's what um, we need when we get older. We, you know, our hearts are, is our engine. We've got to keep it healthy. Now, the estrogen levels. Testosterone. We're producing testosterone, but we've got to make sure it doesn't convert to estrogen. So these ingredients in the Androforce that I talked about, and I did this through research and studies, like it took me almost 10 years with this to do this product, to come up with this formula, because most of them, when you go and buy these products, they give you an armful. I wanted it in one. Androforce, there it is, right there. So back to the estrogen. This slows the conversion of testosterone to uh, estrogen. And you're going to have some estrogen, but you don't need the excessive amounts. And you look and say, wow, what's going on here? I got too much estrogen in my body. I need a little more testosterone. And when you're 20, 30 years old, your testosterone levels are high. Now when we're in our 50s and 60s, it's really starting to slow. So we, we need every little bit of free testosterone in our system that we can get. When I turned 50, I, I used to do a lot of aerobic work previously. I would run when I could run and I was spinning, but I started adding in more weight training uh, once I hit 50 because what I had read showed me that it was important to make sure you keep your muscle mass up as you get older. What have you learned about keeping uh, your testosterone levels up? You need weight-bearing exercise. Yeah, exactly. And you know, you know where testosterone is, is held? It's held in the largest muscles in your body, which is your lower back, into your hips and your thighs. Yep. And when you're exercising, you're putting pressure on your body, you're straining your body, it dissipates through your system. That's your free testosterone going through your system. And it's deposited where it's needed. You've got to get it out of those large muscle groups. You have to do something. A lot of people think, oh, you know what? I'll just lose weight. I'll take these pills the doctor gave me, and I'll stay home, and I'll stick to my same diet and just sit in front of TV. Yep. Doesn't work. <laughs> no, it doesn't work. You've got to get out, and you've got to move. You have to exert yourself. You've got to find what works for you. What works for you? A little bit you? of weight training, a little bit of tennis, yeah. or hiking. Mountain climbing is amazing. You're breathing. Just anything like that and you just change it up. I have a little gym here in my building at work. Yeah, we have a gym in our basement, obviously, COVID. I got myself a rowing machine. Uh, and oh, nice. For me, it's been transformative. It's made a huge difference. Yes, it's amazing. And you'd, you'd be surprised, like in 20 minutes, how fast it goes. Yeah. No, like, it's wow. So we have time really for one more question. And, sure. And that is, you know, given your experience regarding men's health, what are some tips that you think people should live by? Some of them that I mentioned earlier, number one, I'll say it again. First thing in the morning, your body needs a liter of water. Overnight, you can lose up to a liter of water. You need to replenish that. Number two, I always like to do, I'll eat fruit first. I'll have fresh fruit in season that where I live, apples, grapes, not citrus, apples, grapes, pears, plums, anything that's in season that grows in my area. After that, I'd like to have my coffee with free-range eggs. I love free-range eggs, at least free-range eggs, and over-easy or uh, hard-boiled. And I usually have a piece of manna bread, beautiful seed bread, just incredible. It's high in fiber, and I take my supplements when I eat, when I eat. 
So I'll take my vitamin C, which I have a, a really nice vitamin C, 850 milligrams, which is important today. You need vitamin C. Vitamin D, I take vitamin D soft gel, which I have, in, and it's formulated in organic olive oil. And I take some quercetin. These are three. Everyone here in the building, they all take pretty well the same regime for our immune systems. Then after that, usually at lunch, when I have lunch, I'll have uh, a big salad with uh, some protein, probably chicken, or it could be maybe some fish, and I'll take my uh, Androforce. Fantastic. Well, I've got some good news for our listeners, and that is our friends here at Prairie Naturals uh, have a special contest. So what we're going to do is you're going to send an email to me at jamie@tonictoronto.com by November 10th telling us why you love the show and we'll draw one lucky listener who's going to win a gift pack with a retail value of over $200 from Prairie Natural Products, including Prostforce, Vigorforce, ZMagforce, the Androforce you were talking about, Tribforce, and Multiforce Active for Men. So again, it's an email to me, jamie at tonictoronto.com. Mr. Pierce, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Oh, it was a pleasure. I, I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. We have to take a short break, but when we return, we'll discuss tips for cooking from online recipes on The Tonic. The Tonic is brought to you by Purely Natural. Their liquid greens chlorophyll is the only line of soluble, grit-free, and great-tasting greens on the market. Liquid greens can easily be mixed with your favorite drink to provide a sustained natural boost of energy to help you get through your day. There's unflavored, which is great with orange juice. The mint flavor is cool and refreshing. Dark chocolate has all the health benefits of a salad, but with a great chocolate taste. And for that extra detox boost, try activated charcoal and mint. Enjoy the energy. Enjoy the detox. Enjoy the great taste. Purely natural liquid greens. I'd like to give a shout out to our new sponsor, Omega Alpha. This company is 100% Canadian owned. Their team consists of allopathic and naturopathic doctors, nutritionists, researchers, and other scientific professionals, all led by their CEO, Dr. Gordon Chang. Formulations are created on their 40,000 square foot facility located in Toronto. Omega Alpha uses only the highest quality ingredients to manufacture the most efficacious yet price-friendly nutraceuticals. For more information about Omega Alpha, visit OmegaAlphaInc.com. You're listening to The Tonic on Sumer Radio. Shauna Lindzen is a dietitian and nutritionist. She's a program developer and nutrition leader at Wellspring Cancer Support Network and enjoys seeing clients virtually and doing corporate wellness lectures. She runs practical cooking demonstrations that combine scientific knowledge with culinary education. Her demonstrations are unique, informative, delicious, and a lot of fun. And you can find her list of nutrition classes and recipes at shaunalinzen.com. Welcome back to the show, my friend. How are you? I'm great, Jamie. How are you? I'm doing well. So this is an interesting topic coming from you. We're going to talk about internet recipes, and I have my issues with the internet recipes. So... We're not going to come to blows today, but we may not agree on everything. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm excited to hear your... Um... I'm excited to hear what you have to say about okay. that. 
so I know you have some tips on internet recipes and, you know, I mean, we could explain what they are, but essentially there's all kinds of blogs and recipes that you can find online. And a lot of people just, you know, when they want to make something, they'll just type in what they want to make and like six or seven recipes pop up. Yeah, exactly. And there are millions, like millions of recipes. And it's difficult to decide which recipe you're going to use, right? Like if you type in, you know, pumpkin pie, for instance, Mm -hmm. as you say, there's going to be kind of the six top ones that the internet will show you. Right. And it doesn't necessarily mean they are the best recipes. It just means perhaps they are the ones who've paid for the advertising or paid to be at the top of the list. Exactly. So just because they're up there don't mean that they are good, right? Yeah. So it's really difficult to decide what to use. So I have a lot of tips for this. So the interesting thing is, do you know what the other thing is, as you say, that you might not be finding the best recipe, they might have a good photographer, for instance, and you're looking at the image, and that's what makes you, you know, go to that recipe. So what I normally do is I like to look at kind of the old school websites, like for instance, the New York Times, Mm -hmm. or even the Barefoot Contessa, you know, people who are kind of classic chefs. And what I do is I also like to look at, let's say, three or four recipes and see what they have in common. Exactly. So that makes me think, I've got a very strong culinary mind, though, and some people don't, right? (laughs) So they don't know where to start, especially with baking, for instance. Well, baking is a whole other thing. When you say four recipes, I do that too. And the reason is I'm looking for the commonality because for me, it's usually cooking lengths and temperatures which I find make the most difference in terms of, you know, whether or not your recipe is going to turn out. And the other thing I think people should think about is really you have to take a step back and say, how sophisticated of a cook am I? Because if you're not terribly sophisticated, really, you should be going for that really simple recipe. Agreed. Because otherwise, you know, a lot of them are just procedurals. They're just steps. But if you're not up for the steps or you don't have the ingredients or you don't have the tools, do not waste your time. You're not going to be happy. And the the difference won't be demonstrable at the end of the day. And it's funny you say that because when I was thinking of this topic, I divided in my head technique with recipes. And I actually have some technique websites I go to. For instance, um, Serious Eats is Mm -hmm. a really big one. Fine Cooking is a big one. Epicurious is also one that will give you some technique. And then there are different websites that give you just the recipe. So you have to decide, do you want the simple recipe or do you actually want to learn the technique behind it? And everyone's going to be different. Yeah. Okay. So there's two things I want to talk about with internet recipes. They're kind of pet peeves of mine. I, I hate the new style recipes where it's literally pages of descriptions of walking through the forest and dreaming of the food that you're going to eat. And after 10 minutes of reading, they finally get to the recipe. And I know you can scroll down and just go to the recipe, but I find it really irritating. Do you like those sites or don't like them? It's funny that you say that because they always have a little, like a button that you could push that says jump to the recipe. I always jump. And I jump because unlike you, I don't have the patience to, we're good cooks and we know you know, how to do all the steps and everything. So we're not the right one for that. Like to read through from beginning to end, we just want to look at the recipe. But I think some people really do need that. 
And they want to learn from that, like Mm. every single step. You know, sometimes I will read through it to see if there's anything of value. There almost never is. Yeah. (laughs) It depends what frame of mind I'm in. Like sometimes I'll think, oh, I'm relaxed. I'll read through this. But you're right. I just get all hyper and excited to get to the end and see the rest. I just, so I have have one tip and then I I want your input on this. So the the first thing I would say is if you're going to cook any recipe, but particularly an online one, read the whole recipe before you start yes, because it may take an hour of prep work and you may not have an hour of prep work. It may be that there are 15 steps spread over two days. And I'm not joking. I mean, particularly if you're cooking a a holiday meal or something like that, it can be a big to do. So make sure you read the entire thing and make sure that you have the appropriate amount of time to get through the recipe. Otherwise you're going to be very sorry. Agreed. And how stressful is it? Like thinking, oh, I'm about to do this. Oh no, I had to make this in advance and refrigerate it, refrigerate it for six hours. Exactly. right. Right. So that's sort of my tip for any recipe, but in particular for the online ones. And sometimes they don't get to it till it's like step six and then, then you're really stuck. Okay. Yes. It depends on who wrote it. Right. A lot of these online recipes will have comment sections. Yes. How invested are you in the comments of the people that have tried the recipes and commented on them? Interesting. So I did think about that. I actually do find it sometimes helpful and especially for, let's say, seasoning, right? Like Mm -hmm. if they say this was highly over-seasoned or highly under-seasoned, because if you're an intuitive cook, you think about seasoning, right? Yep. So I will, for the biggies, like the New York Times, for instance, usually you'll see a comment and then it will say like 300 people found this helpful. Right. So I actually do skim through the comments if I'm unsure of something they wrote in the recipe. So I don't mind reading the comments. Sometimes I do find it helpful, especially if I'm looking for, looking through six different recipes, you know, for one specific thing. Okay. So here's my take on it. If you read a comment, Mm -hmm. I don't take it at face value because I don't care. It's like if you walked up to somebody in the street and said, how do you make a peanut butter sandwich? Like, who cares? Like, you don't know if that person's a good cook or a lousy cook. You really don't know how sophisticated they are or what kind of cook they are. So reading a comment and taking it face value, to my mind, is a useless exercise. It's annoying. Yeah, interesting. But I agree with you. If people have upvoted or said, wow, that was really helpful. Yes, I agree. This recipe did not have enough salt, which is always the case. Or the cooking times are off. Or majority rules. Yeah. Yeah. I think if there's a bunch of people commenting on that, then maybe that's something to take into consideration. To my mind, that's the biggest benefit of an online recipe. And that is the crowdsource feedback on whether or not this is actually a good recipe. You know, once you've read enough of them, you can kind of tell which ones are actually useful and which ones aren't. Yeah. So I'm, I'm on board with you. Like I'll skim through it. And if the majority rules, I'll think, okay, this is something, right? Yeah. All right. So now I've hijacked this entire interview. Let's, let's (laughs) talk, let's talk about the websites that you go to. So there's New York Times, Epicurious. Are there any other ones that you would recommend? Yeah, there are some. So I actually really like What's Gabby Cooking. Do you like that one? Do you know I don't know. That th- I don't know that one. It's Italian cooking and she's just really good and very classic. And I, I really like her. I like Cooking and Kate. I like Pinch yeah. of Yum. I like, I like looking at Food 52. Yeah, fantastic. It's very good. Yummily, I get their email. So I get a few kind of in my inbox just to give me kind of the inspiration and and know what's trending out there Mm -hmm. because I am a recipe developer, so I need to know what's going on out there. I like the feed feed. I like kitchen. Yep. 
And what else? So, but serious eats I find really actually interesting and fine cooking because that's more of the technique. Yes. And for the average cook, though, I mean, if you want to learn technique, that's great. But I read through the recipe not just to see what the steps are, but also is it well communicated? Because I'm all about communication. And if if they can't, recipes are formulaic. And if you can't get your thoughts across, if there are missing steps or if things don't make sense or if they skip around, then I'm really skeptical as to how it's going to turn out. Because if you can't organize your thoughts into a recipe, how do you expect people to follow it? And that's why you need to look at ones that are edited well. So if you go to... The kind of the classics, like the New York Times, mm-hmm. Sam Sifton, or you know, Alison Roman, yeah, Alison yeah, Roman and Melissa Clark. Yep. they all are. You know, they know the game, and it's edited well. So, if a recipe is too long, it's usually not edited well. Right. And if you get onto the New York Times or, you know, it's, you know that there's an editor out there. And also with cookbooks, for instance, it takes probably three to four years to write a good cookbook. And the edits are crazy. It's very difficult to yep. write a simple recipe. And it really is. It really is. It's, it's an art within itself. I don't usually cook from recipes, but people will ask me, you know, like they'll come over for dinner and they'll like what we've had and they've asked me for the recipe and then I have to kind of create it because I don't really cook from them. It's it's a really hard thing to do. Isn't it difficult, Jamie? And people don't realize it. And if I put something up on Facebook or Instagram, people always say recipe, please. And I'm thinking, but I kind of did this from my head. Yeah, exactly. And I am going to write it down, but it's going to take me a while. I'm not just going to like throw it out there because I'm a perfectionist. So am I. And I get into so many, like, uh, there's little earmarks and things you look for and textures and tastes. And exactly. That is so hard to explain what you're looking for. I mean, that's where the photographer really comes in because a good food photographer can really paint a picture of a thousand words, you yes. know, what you should be looking for. And it's really all about color and lighting. And yeah. it's, it's also difficult. Like food photography is a huge subject within itself, right? The premier food photographers that virtually every cookbook out in the last three years, do you know where they're from? Where? They're from the T-Dot. Oh, really? Yeah, it's a husband and wife couple, and they are responsible for 90% of the photographs that you're going to see in the hottest cookbooks across wow, North America. Yeah, isn't it? Interesting. I love that. One last tip before we go. Online recipes. What's your number one tip that we haven't covered yet? So I would reiterate to look for not too many steps and to make sure that, as you say, read the recipe beforehand so you're not in for a surprise. Fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Will you come back again next month? Absolutely, Jamie. Fantastic. We have to take a short break, but we'll be right back on The Tonic. Gentlemen, are prostate problems spoiling your day or waking you up at night? Ladies, are you tired of these disruptions? Discover Prostate Perform. Formulated with clinically proven natural ingredients, Prostate Perform helps reduce the frequency and urgency of men's bathroom breaks. Why wait? Prostate Perform relieves symptoms of BPH in men so you can both get back to enjoying your favorite activities. Available exclusively at quality health food stores. To learn more, visit NewRootsHerbal.com. And to ensure these products are right for you, always read and follow the label. The Big Carrot is a worker-owned natural food market that's been committed to local, organic, non-GMO, and sustainable food systems since 1983. They're a one-stop shop offering produce, grocery, bulk, body care, and holistic dispensary. The juice and smoothie bars and kitchens serve up hundreds of healthy dishes and drinks daily. 
Building community is at the core of their vision, which they deliver through education, outreach, and giving. They want everyone to share in the goodness they offer. Visit their website for more information at thebigcarrot.ca. This is The Tonic on Zoomer Radio. Tracy Sagrati has an eclectic background in molecular biology, psychology, and nursing. She practices psychotherapy and yoga therapy and has over 20 years of experience in leading classes, workshops, and events. She believes that the tools of mindfulness pave the way for a deeply meaningful life at any stage. And you can find her at SograttiYoga.com, Sograti Yoga on Facebook, or at Tracy Sograti on Instagram. Welcome back to the show. How are you? I'm great, Jamie. How are you doing? I am good. I'm good. My back's up a little bit, my friend, because I know what this is about. I know why you've decided that you want to talk about hypofrontality, addiction, and mindfulness. I know. I just kind of covertly sent this to you. I know. I know. But to my immense credit, we're going to do it anyways. Um, Thank you. Well, you're always up for anything. I am. That's what I I really appreciate in you. I am. So hypofrontality, I had to look it up. Okay. Did you? Yeah, no, I really did. Great. So let's talk about what that is and and what we're talking about today. Okay. So I know it seems like a big word, but it's pretty simple. So let's just unpack it for people because I think it's really important, especially in light of, you know, addiction and what's happening in the world right now. So there's this part of the brain that's called the prefrontal cortex, and it's just the front of your brain. And what this part is really in charge of is your self-control, your self-regulation of uh, like where you put your attention and your ability to kind of plan and make decisions or solve problems or to really act with your long-term goals in mind. So it's, it's like the rational part of your brain. Right. And this part is really, really essential because it regulates three other systems in the brain. And those systems are the limbic system, and that's just the part of you that's emotional. Mm -hmm. And uh, the default mode network, which is sort of associated with daydreaming, and we're not going to talk about that too much today. Um, But the final one is the brain's reward system, and this is kind of where addiction comes in. Right, but it also is about sort of emotional control, right? Like anger management. Absolutely, it's about anger management. We've been dancing around it for the last minute or two. Yeah. And that's why it's interesting. It's better when you say it. Yeah, I know. I, I, that's okay. I'm big enough to say it. And that is something that I struggle with. It is. I think it's a yin-yang thing. I mean, the fact that I'm... Unpack that for me. Well, I think it's kind of what I'm good at is thinking quickly and expressing myself and sort of like jumping into things, right? Mm-hmm. That's the positive aspect of it. The negative aspect of it is I can get emotional and upset quite easily. I have a low boiling point. And yeah. that's something, you know, my entire life I've struggled to control. So understanding it today, I think is helpful. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you see it as helpful. It's yeah. great. So just in all seriousness, yeah, I think you are a fast processor. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, to your point where you have this low boiling point, you know, what's actually happening in the brain is the limbic system, right, that we talked about a little earlier, this emotional part of you, it it has this section in it that's called the amygdala. And the amygdala is really associated with anger, rage, fear, like our strong kind of primal emotions. And when it's activated, what it essentially does is it hijacks the rational part of your brain. So when you say, I have a low boiling point, what's actually happening in your brain is there's like that red light alarm going off, you know, and your amygdala has hijacked the rational part of your brain. And so you are no longer rational. You are no longer thinking clearly. 
and your rational part of your brain can no longer tell you not to do the action that you're about to execute, whether it's to scream, yell, throw something, say something mean. Yeah. You know, and if we go back to this idea of hypofrontality, the point that I want people to get today, you know, the gold in this is that when the prefrontal cortex, say, isn't as strong, and that's when we use the word hypo, that's all we're saying is that the prefrontal cortex isn't as strong as it could be then what will happen is it can't regulate your emotions, right? And so then when you get angry, instead of being able to kind of sit and and notice like, oh, wow, I'm jacked right now. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to scream and yell and throw something and rage and say really mean things. Let's observe that, right? Because if your prefrontal cortex is strong, you can. Instead, what happens is your limbic system takes over because the part of the brain that regulates it isn't strong enough. All right. So let's talk a little bit about the limbic system. Okay. So it is not only does it have the amygdala, right? That part that feels fear and anger, but it's also the home of, you know, it kind of interacts with your sympathetic nervous system. Mm-hmm. Okay. And your sympathetic nervous system, you know, the listeners will know this as your fight or flight response. Sometimes it's called your fight flight freeze or play dead response, mm-hmm. right? So you can imagine that when you're having any kind of strong feeling, then what will happen is your whole body will be activated in a way that um, makes you want to fight with the person in front of you. So that could look like being really defensive, really oppositional, mm-hmm. but it could also make you want to run away. So it, it looks like procrastination and avoidance. Okay, and when the prefrontal cortex isn't strong, you'll just behaviorally act all that stuff out, right? You will not be able to control your emotions. It's interesting that the flip side of the aggression uh, could manifest as procrastination because I am a world-class procrastinator. Oh, interesting. See, I wouldn't have pinned that on you. Yeah, serious procrastinator. Uh Uh-huh, so see? See, this is fascinating. Yeah. That's exactly why I wanted to talk about this, Jamie. You know, and then, okay, so then when the prefrontal cortex is strong, you can feel all the same things, right? It doesn't make the feelings go away. And that's the other thing I want people to understand. I mean, sometimes people get really judgmental about themselves, you know, sort of like you did when I sent this to you. Mm-hmm. But the reality is we're all human. We're all having these emotions. And so it's not about stopping the feelings, but what it is about is learning how to be with them and manage them right. in a really healthy way. So the other part of the system that I want to talk about is the brain's reward system, because what I've also noticed during this time of sort of heightened uh, pressure and stress is just the drinking, right? Well, I guess, you know, depending on where you are in Canada and the U.S., also the the increase in cannabis cannabis use or or other drugs, maybe. But people are definitely using substances, whatever that your substance is, as a way to just manage stress. And so this has a lot to do with the brain's reward system, okay? And this is kind of linked to the dopamine pathway in the brain, and maybe some of you know about that, maybe not. But just to understand rewards, when you are addicted to something, whatever it is, it's not actually the reward itself that you're addicted to. It's it's actually the expectation. Yeah, it's the anticipation. It's the Vegas. It's the bells and whistles of, of the slot machine that get you in, right? It's, That's exactly it. Yeah. And, you know, so again, going back to the brain, when we have this poor control because the, the front of the brain isn't as strong as it could be, mm-hmm. then the brain's reward system kind of, it, it has a little more control over us. And that looks like some very specific behaviors. 
right. the first thing is impulsivity. Right. Right. So just having an impulse and being unable to control it. And you can see that that's very much linked to emotions as well. Right. And I would imagine addiction as part of this as well. Absolutely. Risk-taking, right? And so part of what the prefrontal cortex does is say we want something or we have this impulsive desire to do X, Y, or Z, whether it's drugs or take a particular risk. What the front part of your brain does is it says, whoa, 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 whoa. If you do that, then, you know, you could die. This could yeah. happen. You know, your wife yep. could leave you, right. et cetera, right? When you have poor prefrontal control, none of that conversation is happening. And so you end up taking greater risks. There's also impaired self-monitoring. So the self-awareness that we're always talking about on this show, you know, cultivate self-awareness, it's just limited. Yep. And, and all of that is linked to the brain. There is a denial of illness. And then, you know, the, the brutal, the really tough one is that there's this attentional bias towards substance or reward-related stimuli. So that, that could be substances, that could be alcohol, that could be drugs. Right. Uh, it could be sugar. Yep. It could be TV. It could be food. It could food, be... Food, sex, yeah, exactly. shopping, yeah. spending money. It could be any of those things. Yes. And the wild thing is if you start to kind of connect all the dots with the science, right, is that if you've got this hypofrontal state or an underactive prefrontal cortex, it is directly linked to addiction, depression, anxiety disorders, bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, like from the very mild to the, you know, very extreme psychological illness. It's all linked in there. Now that we've defined this sort of nebulous problem, how does mindfulness help us with it? Okay, so mindfulness has been shown to very directly increase activation of your prefrontal cortex. So the prefrontal cortex matures, right, and it kind of reaches maturity sort of mid to late 20s, but then you can continue to strengthen it over time through the activities that you do. And it will also decrease your limbic system activity. Mm -hmm. And basically, all you have to do to do this, everybody listening, all you have to do is to take very regular intervals where you stop and pay attention, focus your mind on something, like, for example, your breath for five minutes. I would suggest focusing on your breath four or five minutes, three times a day. And then to extrapolate that out, if there's something that you're going to, like food, you know, like, mm-hmm. uh, like you turn on Netflix and, and then you go to the fridge, it would be stop, we turn on Netflix, stop, focus on your breath for five minutes and just be in the present moment so that you don't do the addictive behavior. And to insert that, you know, whatever thing that you're doing, to insert that as a cue so that you begin to shift the frontal lobe into a place where you've got control rather than the limbic system or the addiction having control over you. So a little bit of meditation, a little bit of breath work, Mm -hmm. and we can build strength into our prefrontal cortex. Is that it? Yeah. That seems easy peasy. It's simple, not easy. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. No, I think I think you're right. I think it is simple, but I, I don't think it's easy. I, I mean, and, and speaking of somebody who is clearly on that spectrum of behavior, it's a challenge for me. I mean, I've gotten better as I've gotten older. I don't fly off the handle like I used to, although, you know, put me in a car in traffic, you're yeah. going to see that side of me, you know, or yeah. late at night, if I'm watching Netflix, you're going to see me raid the fridge if I'm not careful. So. Yeah. Yeah, and so those are the moments where you need to do those practices. And then you also need to do the practices when you're feeling good so that you've built the muscle up. Makes total sense. Thank you so much for coming on the show today and explaining this. Will you come back again? Absolutely, Jamie. Love it. Thanks to all my wonderful guests, Dr. Peter Jossling, Robert Pierce, Shauna Lindzen, and Tracy Sograti. 
And thank you all for listening to The Tonic. You can listen or download this episode as a podcast with full show notes, contact information for our guests, and links at thetonic.ca. To find out more about the show, you can follow us at The Tonic Talk Show on Instagram or Facebook. For great articles written by amazing health and wellness writers, be sure to pick up your copy of Tonic Magazine. The November-December issue is now available free on racks at over 200 locations across the GTA and delivered with the Globe and Mail to home subscribers in 11 choice neighborhoods in Toronto. Or you can visit our website at tonictoronto.com. If you're interested in providing feedback or suggesting topics for the show, you can email me at jamie at tonictoronto.com. Next week on the show, we'll discuss the health benefits of vitamin K, preparing for winter sports, and mood-boosting foods. Until then, this is Jamie Busson wishing you a healthy and happy week. Please consult a healthcare professional before starting any diet, exercise, supplementation, or medication program. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.